been raining a lot and I know it's Wednesday night but would you clap your hands to the Lord and really give him praise for just a moment stir up the gift of the Holy Ghost inside of you we love you God we love you God we love you God we love you Lord thank you Jesus amen praise the Lord well God bless you I'm so glad you're here tonight grab your Bibles and turn to the Gospel of John the Gospel of John chapter 10 and verse number 27 this is a part two uh, in a series that I'm calling hearing God hearing God John chapter 10 and verse number 27 if you have that say man amen about three of you have it I'm gonna give you another second John 10 and 27 and a very simple scripture this is Jesus speaking, and uh, I, I think that this, when we're talking about prayer and we're talking about hearing God, I think this is very important. Jesus said this, my sheep hear my voice. Amen. Anybody believe that tonight? My sheep hear my voice. And I know them, and they follow me. How many want to hear his voice tonight? How many want to know him better? How many want him to know you and to speak to you? That's what we're talking about tonight. If that's your, if that's your heartbeat, would you just lift up your other hand and just say, Lord, speak to me, God. Lord, we want to hear your voice. We want to be a people of prayer. We want this to be a house of prayer. Lord, we, we don't just want to go through the motions, but Lord, we want to draw closer to you. We want to know you intimately. We want to, we want to respond to your words, God. And we want you to speak directly into our lives and into our hearts. And everyone said, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for standing. God bless you. You can be seated. We're talking about hearing God. Uh, I, I mentioned it last time we, we uh, spoke on this topic that it's one of the most common questions that I receive from people is, you know, I pray, uh, but I, I don't hear God. I don't hear his response. And so uh, we, we dealt with three, uh, three ways to hear God or three ways to approach God. And we're going to begin with number four tonight. You'll have to go back and Get the CD or go to the podcast to get caught up because I'm not going to do a lot of review. But I will tell you this, that you have to be very careful when you start requesting for God to answer your prayer. You have to be very careful. Uh, and, and when you want God to speak to you because uh, God usually will respond, but he doesn't always respond the way that we think he will or the way that we expect him to. I was reminded uh, of this in a, a story that I read this week about Dr. David Livingston. He was a Scottish missionary in the mid to late 1800s. And he uh, was famous, of course, for traveling through uncharted territories of Africa. And he was a missionary there. And, uh, and he was very poor at one point in his ministry as he was traveling through Africa and he was in a very remote region and he was asking the Lord to open doors for him 
to be able to go into areas and tribes that people had never gone into before. Certainly, they'd never heard uh, anything about Jesus in those areas. And so he was asking the Lord, but he didn't have resources. He didn't really have favor with anybody, and it was a dangerous time. And so uh, all he really had in his earthly possessions was a goat. And, uh, and he needed this goat uh, for milk and for cheese, and it's really the only thing that gave him any strength while he was trying to travel. And he came to this, uh, this particular tribe, and, uh, and he was able to befriend uh, the king of this tribe. And, uh, and the, the king of this tribe said, listen, uh, I would like to have your goat. <laughs> and uh, Dr. Livingston uh, realized that he wasn't going to have any choice. He was going to have to give him his goat or lose favor, and then he might not would be welcome in that area anymore. And, uh, and so he had a pity party. You know, sometimes we get frustrated, don't we? And he went to prayer, and he said, Lord, I don't understand. I'm sacrificing for you. I'm trying to spread the gospel, and, uh, and I'm out here. Nobody knows me, and I don't really... I have any inroads to these tribes, and the only comfort that I had was this goat, so I could have some goat milk, so I could be strong for the journey. And, uh, and he was frustrated with God, and uh, and the king said, "Listen, I'm going to give you if you'll give me this goat, I'm going to give you uh, this this stick." And he was holding a stick, and, uh, and so it seemed like a very unfair trade uh, to Dr. Livingston. And so Dr. Livingston said, "All right." And uh, went back and very, very angry. And the next morning he woke up and he, he went to someone outside of his tent. And he said, listen, um, I don't need this stick. I, I'm, I don't limp. I don't need it for walking. I, uh, maybe you could just have it or do something with it. And the man looked at him like he was crazy. And he said, what are you talking about? That is the king's scepter. And if you'll take this scepter... You'll be welcome into any village and any tribe that you go to within a hundred mile radius. You see, God had answered his prayer, but it didn't look like an answer to his prayer when it was all happening. Has God ever dealt with you that way before? I can't tell you how many times God has answered my prayer. I, I said, Lord, I need a response. I need you to do something for me. And something happens, but it's not what I wanted to happen. Be very careful. Not to doubt God when things don't seem to be happening the way you want them to go. Because oftentimes, God is giving you a scepter when you think he's giving you a stick. Amen? How many could testify that God has done that kind of thing for you before? All right, so I'll take you to the next slide, and let's look at, uh, at number four here uh, when it comes to hearing God's voice. Now, if you've heard God's voice, I want to give you some advice. Because this is also a, a sticky, uh, can be a, an uncomfortable situation when you have heard from God you have to use wisdom everyone said wisdom wisdom for one thing we know that there are always going to be uh, people among us who claim that they've heard from God every second that they've been alive amen you ever had someone tell you they heard from God and you said if you heard from God then well help us Lord yeah yeah, we've all, we've all known folks who came and told us they had a word from God, and we knew that was not a word from God. So you want to be very careful and use wisdom when you share. For one thing, I, I often use what I think of as the, the pearls before swine principle. 
You have to be careful, as Jesus said, that you don't cast your pearls before swine. Sometimes God will deal with you in a way that is so private and so precious and so powerful that that is a private moment between you and God. I'm not going to tell you everything that God says to me. Because sometimes when God speaks to me, it's between me and God. Amen? And uh, we don't just run around willy-nilly telling people God said this or God said that. That's a quick way to lose credibility. How many think we ought to have credibility? When you say you heard from God, people need to be able to know that you heard from God. Amen? And so the, the fastest way to lose that credibility is to tell people you've heard from God when you didn't and to tell people you've heard from God every five seconds because people will start to grow numb to that. But there are other reasons as well. Number one, you might be presuming that you know everything that God was trying to say and you still may not have full understanding. God may be revealing things to you slowly and he hasn't given you everything you need to know. You still lack information. And if you run to someone and start sharing things that God has been speaking to you about before you have full understanding, you can hinder the process that God is working in your life. That'd be a good place for someone to say, man, a lot of people have hurt others. They probably did hear from God, but they ran and told someone about it before God was ready for them to start revealing his plan and his purpose for speaking to them. Also, you need to use wisdom because not everyone is ready to hear what God's saying. Amen? Not everybody's ready. To, just because you can handle it doesn't mean everyone can handle it. And sometimes it will bring confusion to people. And God is not interested in us spreading any kind of confusion. Amen? And so we should be wise and careful when God speaks to us. Think about Joseph, for example. How many remember when God started dealing with him through dreams? That didn't turn out real great for Joseph early on, did it? Of course, we know that God worked it all together for his good. We know the end of the story. And uh, Pastor uh, is fond of saying, we talk about Joseph sometimes, and Pastor's fond of saying that, that he doesn't think that Joseph was necessarily unwise uh, he was just youthful and zealous, but we need to be careful. Sometimes people around us are not ready to receive what God is trying to do for us. And uh, you might could avoid uh, some jealousy, some frustration, some fallouts, maybe avoid a few pits here and there if you were just a little more wise with what God is doing in you and through you and for you. And fourth you might miss God's timing and method. How many understand that God is a God of timing? To everything, there is a season. To everything, there's a time. There's a time for mourning, and there's a time for rejoicing. Everything has a season, and God operates that way. Can you testify that God has operated through seasons in your life? God really does operate in seasons. And just as sure as there's winter and rainy season, of course, Georgia doesn't have seasons, so it's not a good illustration here. But, uh, but just as sure as there are seasons in other parts of the world, uh, aside from Georgia, God operates through seasons, meaning that 
Sometimes he's not ready for you to start talking about what he's doing in you. And you need to be sensitive to this. It's a sign. Now, listen to me. If you don't remember anything else I say, listen to me now. It is a sign of spiritual immaturity. Is this okay? Everybody all right? This is Bible study. This is midweek Bible study. We're the grown-ups here, okay? It's a sign of spiritual immaturity to run and tell people what God has told you when it's not God's timing for you to do so. Spiritually mature people are sensitive to God and they're close to God in their walk to where they can be comfortable to know when God releases them to speak what he's saying into their lives. Amen. Amen. All right, I'll take you to the next slide. So be careful. Be very, very careful to not share what God is speaking to you until you have permission from God to do so. In fact, there have been times in my own prayer life where God was speaking to me about someone else. And let me just clarify. This is where it really gets important. What I just talked about is when God is speaking to you about someone you know. Because you can do a lot of damage to someone When God starts talking to you about someone else and you go tell them everything he said about them, and sometimes that can create a a real issue. And so make sure that you have asked God. There have been many times where God spoke to me about a person and I said, Lord, I need to know, are, are you telling me this right now because you want me to go talk to them about this or do you just want me to have the information? And sometimes God will say, you need to wait. There have been many times that I waited and I understood why God showed it to me. And then there have been times where God said, no, I'm giving you this because I want you to go talk to them right now. So always ask the Lord why he gave you the information and what he wants you to do with it. All right, number five, use the wise men principle. Can you say that with me? The wise men principle. Just like the wise men individually followed the star And they were all led to the same Christ. So God will often, in fact, I believe most of the time, God will use two. Everyone said two. This is not highbrow math. We're not not in trigonometry here. He'll use two or three, sometimes more than that, but usually two or three people to confirm what he is telling you. Does anyone still believe in having confirmation? I believe that we still need confirmation. This is part of the spiritual checks and balances and guardrails that God puts in our lives. Because we all have moments where we miss it. We think we, think we knew something that we didn't know. Or we think God is telling us to do something. And really, and we're going to deal with that in a moment. Really, it's not God at all. It's just our own heart. And you need spiritual checks and balances. And this comes through spiritual confirmation through people. Now, listen to me. When you start receiving spiritual confirmation, you need to make sure that it's coming from spiritual people. That's such a good point, And some of y'all are going to, it's just going to soar right over. You need to make sure that when you embrace a confirmation that it's coming from a spiritual person. I had someone tell me the other day, and, and it's no one here, no one connected to this church. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus, because that would have been so discouraging. Uh, they <laughs> came to me the other day, and, and they said, I've been looking for confirmation uh, from God. And, uh, and uh, I was talking, I was talking to this person. And uh, they had just been arrested. 
They'd just been arrested. And uh, I was there, and I was getting them out, uh, and I was bailing them out of prison. And what they told me, they just spoke right into my life. And I knew that's what God wanted me. And I thought, dear Lord, maybe that's not the, the confirmation <laughs> that you were looking for. Uh, make sure that when you receive and embrace a confirmation and recognize something as a confirmation, that it comes from a spiritual person. Now, that's a very extreme example, and we can all laugh and chuckle about that a little bit. But uh, just because someone sits on a pew doesn't make them spiritual. Do I have to go any deeper than that? Does everybody understand? Just because someone shows up and sits on a pew does not make them someone who is worthy to give you a spiritual confirmation in your life. In fact, just because someone is your family doesn't mean that they should necessarily be. In fact, sometimes that means they probably shouldn't be the one to give you the spiritual confirmation. It needs to be someone who is actually spiritual, has a track record of spirituality, a track record of faithfulness. Everyone said faithfulness. A track record of anointing. Everyone said anointing. A track record of, of actually walking in the spirit and operating in the spirit and having, by the way, the gifts of the spirit manifested in their life. If someone doesn't have the gifts of the spirit, they're not walking in the spirit, they're not faithful, then they should not be someone giving you a confirmation that God has spoken to you about this or that. That'd be a great place for somebody to say amen. Sp confirmation should come from wise spiritual people. And uh, not just your buddies or your friends or people that like you. Amen? It should, in fact, uh, there's, I'm not going to delve too deep in this, but one thing I've noticed in my generation, and I'm, I can pick on my generation because I'm in it. Some of y'all need to stop picking on my generation, but I'll pick on it because I'm here, okay? I can, I'm part of the family, so I can do it. My generation has a real problem with overlooking the wise counsel of elders. Hello? Uh, we, we have lost, it seems like, society and the world at large, and even sadly in the church world, millennials have, have lost sight of the biblical principle and mandate to seek after wise counsel from pastors and elders in their life. And by the way, this is another Bible study for another day. But when you see that word elders in the book of Acts, when it's talking interchangeably about pastors and evangelists, the word elder really is uh, just an interchangeable word uh, for pastor. And so sometimes you see elder in the book of Acts, it's talking about pastors. And uh, it means elder, not necessarily in the sense of years, the way we use it today, but in the sense of their maturity and their knowledge uh, about the word of God and about life and about things in general. And it is very important that we seek after counsel from elders. Anybody under 50 needs to listen to me right now. You need to have elders in your life who have lived a godly life that can give you good counsel, advice, and speak wisdom into your life. Stop running from the advice and the counsel of elders because you will make mistakes that you don't need to make because you have ignored the advice of elders. 
And that'd be a good place for someone under 50 to say amen. I know all the ones over that are saying amen already, but everybody under 50 ought to say amen. Uh, we need wise men. So you need, and you need more than one. Everyone said more than one. This isn't big time math. You just, you need more than one. It's, it's a biblical principle uh, where two or three, the Bible says, are gathered together in my name. There will I be in the midst of them. When two or three agree as touching anything on earth, whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. When two or three agree, whenever you start having that spiritual principle of two or three confirmations, two or three who come into agreement that are gathered together in his name that have spiritual wisdom, now you can start leaning back and saying, okay, I believe that was God. Isn't that a good feeling when you get that, that genuine godly confirmation in your life? You thought it was God, but you started to doubt it, and so you started receiving godly confirmation. Seek after that. Uh, and I know this isn't for everybody, but I, again, I'm going to address maybe some of the folks under 50. You're, you're going to be in a place, and, and really, even in your elder years, we all know there's decisions that have to be made that are important. Where you're going to live, what your career is going to be, how you're going to retire, what you're gonna, how you're going to invest, what you're going to do with your children and your grandchildren, how, how you're going to do this and that. It, decisions, where, what you're going to do for your education. Decisions that impact the rest of your life. These are big decisions. And, and here's what I found often about people when they start seeking things from God. People are very quick to ask God to heal them of their toe ache. Now, I'm not making fun of that because I have had gout before where I needed God to heal my foot, I mean, immediately. All right? So it sounds like I'm being mean, but I understand when you're in pain, you need God to move. And people are quick to ask for prayer for ailments in their physical body people are quick to ask for prayer over the everyday things in life that take place but oftentimes people will not seek counsel advice or even really sincerely seek god's will when it comes to major life-altering decisions like who you're going to marry for example there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, there's, it's amazing to me how many people I've seen who've, who've asked God for so many things in their life, but then they get to a really big life-altering moment or decision that literally changes their entire life and, and will direct the course of the rest of their future, and they will not get godly counsel about their decision. This is foolish. Amen? This is foolish. When you're going to make a major life-altering decision that literally impacts the course of your life, you need to make sure that, number one, you're praying about it and you're asking God to respond, believing that he will respond. When you believe he's responded, you need to get some godly confirmation in your life, and your pastor absolutely ought to be one of the confirmations in your life. Amen? That'd be a good place for someone to say amen. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Take you to the next slide. Number six. And I'm moving quickly, I promise. Number six, beware of counterfeit voices and for substituting God's voice for your own inward desires, for your own inward desires. Now, this one 
is very important. We already alluded to it just a little bit ago, but it is so common and it is so easy for us to pray for God to speak to us about something and for us to think we're hearing from God when in fact we're actually just hearing our own heart telling us what we want to hear. Does anybody understand what I'm trying to say? It is so easy to mistake our own will for God's will. It's so easy for us to, to say, uh, I think that I know what God would want me to do here because we think we have the heart of God when in reality, we really just know our heart. And can you imagine if Jesus would have been in the Garden of Gethsemane and he would have been praying and, uh, he, and suddenly he would have just said, you know what, I, don't, I really don't feel like going to Calvary. <laughs> well, that would certainly make sense. I don't think any of us here would, would want to have to go through what Jesus went through either, but it was the will of God. It was certainly the will of God for him to go as a man, as God manifests in the flesh. So uh, we have to be careful. And I see people get into trouble more often than I, than I can even mention here because they allow themselves to follow their own heart and they substitute God's voice for their own desires. It's very dangerous and it takes a, a spiritual sensitivity to be able to actually get down and get real with God. You know, sometimes you've got to wrestle with God. Did you know that? Remember Jacob wrestling with God? Sometimes you've got to wrestle with God and say, Lord, I'm not going to stop praying until you speak to me. I've got to know. And Lord, if, if, if this is just what I'm wanting, sometimes you've just got to pray like this. I can't tell you how many times I've said, Lord, I know what I want, but what do you want? And it's okay to be honest. I, there's been lots of times where I've said, Lord... I really want you to want what I want right now. <laughs> Anybody else ever prayed like that? Am I the only one? I really want you to want what I want right now, God. But, and this is where you have to, this is where you got to stop yourself. It's okay to say that, but then you need to say, but Lord, but not, not my will, but thy will be done. If, if, if what I'm wanting isn't your will, then, then Lord... I, it'll be hard for me, God, and I'll trust you and I'll do everything I can to keep a good spirit. But I need to know, is this what you want or is this just me? And it's hard sometimes because, you know, God doesn't play games. We play games, but God doesn't play games. And, you know, sometimes his answer is not going to be our will, <laughs> Anybody, can anybody just raise your hand if God's ever just been like, nope, that's not my will? Yeah. Sometimes God, nope, that's not what I'm wanting you to do right now. And you have to be willing to actually listen for God's voice and not just your heart's desire. And by the way, the devil will always put someone in your life who will tell you what you want to hear. The devil will always send a fake confirmation. That's why it's so important what we talked about earlier to get spiritual confirmation. The devil will always make sure that he makes the path easy for you to get out of the will of God. No matter what it is, big or small, he's going to pave the way and make it as easy as possible. And so you've got to be willing to actually listen to God. Remember, only valuable things are worth counterfeiting. The voice of God 
and the will of God is one of the most valuable things that you could ever have in your life. There's really nothing more valuable than God speaking to you. And if you have the Holy Ghost, you literally have the Spirit of God. It can speak to you. Have you ever had the Holy Ghost just stop you in your tracks? Anybody ever just been walking down the street and all of a sudden the Holy Ghost just stopped you and turned you around? One time that happened to a friend of mine in Bible college. We were walking down the street and, uh, and a bunch of people had kind of wandered off. And, uh, and he, he was walking and trying to cross the street, and the, the crosswalk sign had come on, said he could walk. And uh, he was walking, and all of a sudden, uh, I saw it happen to him. He just kind of stopped, and out of nowhere, and he just turned around and ran. And as he started running, a speeding car missed him by about three inches. They had ran the, stop, the stoplight, and he never saw the car, and neither did any of us. And I asked him later, I said, what happened? He said, all of a sudden, the Holy Ghost just told me to turn and run. And he said, I didn't have time to even think about it. I just turned around and ran. If he had not been obedient and sensitive to the voice of God, he probably wouldn't have made it through that situation. Or at least he would have been terribly, terribly injured in that moment. Aren't you glad the Holy Ghost can talk to us at any moment, at any time? It can push us. It can prick us. It can change us. And so, of course... The enemy will try to counterfeit the voice of God. He'll try to confuse you and your mind so that you will be confused about the voice of God or that you'll stop seeking the voice of God altogether. Don't be discouraged by this. Rather, be encouraged because you have something incredibly powerful and valuable in your life. It's the spirit of God and the voice of God. Aren't you glad he speaks to us? Aren't you glad we don't have to have a priest go do it for us? Aren't you glad that someone else doesn't have to pray for you? That you can actually pray and have a relationship with God? Listen, it's, it's a pastor prays for you. The elders pray for you. That's a wonderful thing. And we do that. It's biblical. But aren't you glad that you can actually pray too? You don't just have to have a pastor pray for you. You can talk to God. I don't have to talk to God for you. You can talk to God too. That's an amazing thing. All right, next slide. And I'm closing with this one. Number seven. This is very important. Opposition of man is sometimes, everyone said sometimes, direction and confirmation from God. Acts chapter 21. We'll look at that in a second. Now, let me, let me tell you what I mean by that. Oftentimes, people will say to me, I thought this was the will of God, but opposition came. Opposition came. Now, this is one of these moments where spiritual maturity is very, very important. Because what I'm about to say to you sounds like it contradicts what I told you earlier about having confirmation in your life. Everybody okay? Can we handle it? Are we, are we, can we go into meat and not just milk for a moment here? And this is why spiritual maturity, I say that word a lot because it's so vital not to be spiritually immature. A lot of people never progress past spiritual teenage years. Is that okay? Some people are still, they're still pouting with God like a teenager on the couch. Some people never get past that, that stage. But how many want to be mature in the Lord? We want to be, be mature in the Lord. So this sounds like a, a contradiction, and in a sense it is, and this is why wisdom is so important, because there's no one principle that fits everything. Sometimes you have to be able to flow 
in the Spirit. So here we have an example where the Apostle Paul, who was the great missionary, the first missionary, where he had been called by God to go and preach the gospel in Jerusalem. How many know this about Paul's ministry? He was called of God to go and preach the gospel in Jerusalem. And, and he intended to do so. He'd been planning it. And he, of course, we know that he did, in fact, do that. Amen? He preached the gospel. Turned the world upside down. And as he's preparing to do this, a good man comes to him, a man who was known as a prophet, came to him by the name of Agabus. Agabus came to him, and Agabus grabbed him by the girdle, or what we might would think of as like a belt, uh, something around his waist that kind of held his robe. He grabbed him, and he, and he kind of tied it around himself, and he said, he prophesied to Paul, and he said, if you go to Jerusalem... Uh, they're going, they're going to deliver you to the hands of the Gentiles. And he was inferring that they're going to kill him in Jerusalem. So this was really essentially the prophecy from Agabus that uh, we don't want you to go to Jerusalem. And Agabus convinced the other believers there that Paul should not go to Jerusalem because it, he's going to die there. And uh, now this is important. Because I believe, I've heard a lot of different preaching about Agabus. I know he's not the most well-known character in the Bible. How many had ever heard of Agabus before tonight? A few of you had. Agabus isn't the most well-known prophet in the Bible. It's the only time we hear of him. And the sad thing is, I believe that Agabus was sincere. I don't think he was trying to be a false prophet. I don't think that he was trying to do something evil. I don't think the believers there who heard that, that prophecy from Agabus, I don't believe that they were insincere. I think they loved Paul, and I think they wanted what was best for Paul, and they were genuinely concerned with a godly sorrow. But Paul had received a word from God to go to Jerusalem, and the opposition came, and it even felt like spiritual opposition that might be from God. But Paul was so connected in his calling to God that he was able to maintain his desire to do what God had told him to do even when confusion came in and opposition came in to his life. And this is very, very important because sometimes God will call you to do something hard and sometimes God will tell you to do something and sincere people will try to stop you. It might even be people who love you very, very, very much and they don't have bad intentions, but God has spoken to you and told you. In fact, one of the best examples that I can think of, and I could think of many, but I remember uh, about a thousand years ago when I was a youth pastor, there was a young man in the church and uh, he, he was coming and uh, his parents were in church but they were the kind of folks they came to church but they didn't really serve God you know what I mean it's okay they came they attended uh, they were almost always there but they didn't really serve the Lord and he had just been raised this way just kind of coming to church 
being around church, but not really being a part of the church. And, uh, and we had a revival service, uh, actually several weeks of revival, and God really filled him with the Holy Ghost. I mean, you ever seen someone just, I mean, get the Holy Ghost? This, this young guy got the Holy Ghost. And uh, I mean, in a dynamic way, and he was on fire for God. And so he started making some decisions in his life, uh, and he started realizing, hey, uh, one of the things he decided, I'm not going to the movies anymore. And he felt it while he was in the altar. The Lord said, stop going to the movies. And, uh, and he heard it from the Lord. And he went to his parents, and his parents loved him very much. He didn't have mean, ugly, mean-spirited parents. And his parents loved God in their own kind of distant way. And the first thing that his parents did was tell him that couldn't be God. That couldn't be God. But it was God. And so he cut movies out of his life. And then the Lord started dealing with him about the clothes that he wore and to dress more modestly. And so he decided, I'm going to dress. God spoke to him in an altar and told him, you need to, you need to stop wearing immodest clothes. And so he changed the way he dressed. The first thing that happened, his parents and his grandparents now, who loved him very much, said, that couldn't be God. But it was God. And then, before you know it, the Lord started dealing with him about going to Bible school and and studying to be a preacher. And the first thing that his parents and grandparents who loved him very much said was that couldn't be God. But it was God. And he's preaching the gospel today. So you need to be very careful that just because someone seems sincere and they love you, it doesn't mean that they know what God is telling you. Make sure that you're close enough to God where it doesn't matter what others say when they come into opposition to what he's doing in your life. Stand with me. I'm closing. You know... When it comes to hearing from God, here's something that I believe about growing in the Lord. When it comes to walking with the Lord, no matter how long you've been serving the Lord, there are going to be moments where God speaks to you and checks your spirit and encourages you to go deeper and do more than you've been doing before. And you might be here tonight and you might think, well, I have matured as far as I can go. There's nothing in my life that needs changed because I'm already where I need to be in God. That would be the first sign that you are not where you need to be in God. Because anyone who is sincerely trying to serve the Lord knows that at any given moment, God could stop them and say, you need to change that in your life right now. I don't care if it's me or you or the general superintendent of the UPCI. If you're walking with the Lord, there's going to be a moment where God's going to check you and say, you need to change that in your spirit right now. And when you start seeking the voice of God, he may just start convicting you about the way you dress. Hmm. So y'all want to hear God when he's giving you Mercedes, but you didn't want to hear this, did you? He might start convicting you about the way you talk. He might start convicting you about the way you spend your money. The places you go, your friendships, the entertainment that you've allowed into your life. Now, I'm not even trying to preach conviction to you because I could be real specific and I'm not doing that's not what I'm trying to do tonight. What I'm telling you is, in fact, if you're really where you need to be in God, 
You shouldn't have to have a pastor give you a list of everything you should and shouldn't do. God would start convicting you. And if you've never had a convicting word from the Lord, or if it's been a long time, you are not close to God. Because God convicts me just about every day. God will convict you, and he's not doing it to hurt you. He does that because he loves you, just like a parent. You know how many times I have to tell my kids to stop it every day? That's not because I don't love them. That's because I do love them, and I'm very close to them. God chasteneth who he loves. If God's not chastening you, if God's not correcting you once in a while... You do not have an intimate relationship with God. And if it takes your pastor constantly having to give you a rule book of do this and don't do that, don't do that and do this. And if you have to have a a play-by-play scenario for everything in your life from the leadership of this church or any church, you're not close to God. Now, God can do that. Listen, I can, I can do it, and I do it, and we try to help people. And we have standards, and we believe all of those things. But let me just tell you, if we would all be where we need to be in our prayer lives with God, we'd have to do a whole lot less rule preaching from behind the pulpit because God would just start convicting you. Do you know how many people I know that no one ever told them smoking was bad back before they knew smoking caused cancer? The Lord just told them, stop smoking, and they stopped smoking. That was before they put warnings on the back of every, of every label. They just knew God said to stop doing it, and so they stopped doing it. How many times could we have God speak to us and correct us? Are we open to that tonight? If you're open to that, I want you to lift your hands and say, Lord, if you need to correct me, correct me. If you want to bless me, bless me. But God, I want to hear your voice. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, God, we want to hear your voice. Speak to our hearts, I pray. Talk to your people, I pray, Lord. Lead us and guide us, God. We want to be your sheep. We want to be the people of your pasture, Lord. Hear our voice, Lord, and let us hear yours. We give you praise. And everyone said in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I love all of you. God bless you. What a beautiful group here on a cold, rainy Georgia night. You're dismissed. Greet someone. Tell them you love them. Tell them it's good to see them in church tonight. Brother Jacques, how you doing, brother?